Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 1, 15 through 19, called The Preeminence of Christ. If you have to be made, then you're not God. This, this whole section, by the way, is really mocking the gods of the nations in the, in the ancient world because they would form a god, they would, they would make an idol, and then they would make sure that their god wouldn't fall down. Okay, are, are you okay? Don't. And then there's a great story of the god Dagon in the Old Testament. Remember what happened to Dagon? Dagon fell. Right, and the priest had to come in and pick up the pieces. Right, let's super glue. We got any gorilla glue over here? If you have to put your god back together, I think you might want to change religions. Now, in Isaiah forty four twenty four, thinking of this context, notice what the verse says: forty four twenty four. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, am maker of how many? Of all things. Stretching out the heavens by myself. Spreading out the earth all alone. Now, if Jesus is the first and greatest creation of God, and he's a junior partner in creation, and this is what these groups say. They say, well, what happened was Jehovah made Jesus, and then he made all the creation through Jesus. So Jesus was made, and then he made the planets, and then he made everything else, and, and, and the angels or whatever. But, but Jesus was a junior partner in creation. He was there. Maybe even he created things, but it was by the power and authority of Jehovah. Wait a minute. The Bible just said in Isaiah 44, 24, The God who made all things in 44-24, middle of the verse, he stretched out the heavens by himself and he spread out the earth. What's your Bible say? All alone. This means clearly that Jehovah or Yahweh, which is the name that's used here, is the one who made everything. There wasn't some partnership between a a created being after Yahweh uh, existed. He existed forever. And this means that Jesus, of course, is the eternal creator. There's no way around it. Back to Colossians. He has the name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One writer says, by studying the creation, one can gain a glimpse of the power, knowledge, and wisdom of the creator. The sheer size of the universe is staggering. The sun, for example, has a diameter of 864,000 miles, 100 times that of the earth. It could hold 1.3 million planets the size of earth inside of it. The star Betelgeuse, however, has a diameter of 100 million miles, which is larger than the Earth's orbit around the sun. It takes sunlight traveling at 186,000 miles per second, about eight and a half minutes to reach Earth. Yet that same light would take more than four years to reach the nearest star. Alpha Alpha Centauri, some 24 trillion miles from Earth, the galaxy to which our sun belongs, the Milky Way, contains hundreds of billions of stars, And astronomers estimate that there are millions or even billions of galaxies. 
What they can see leads them to estimate the number of stars in the universe at an incredible number. I think they say billions upon billions. Uh, That is roughly the number of all grains of the sand on all the world's beaches. Just think about the implications of this. Christ, the one who came to save us and die for us, made everything. And he holds everything together. This is where the passage is leading now, Colossians 1. And look with me at verse 17, Colossians 1, verse 17. He made everything, and it says this, and he is before all things. That's a good way to define the word firstborn or prototokos or takas. He is before all things, and in him, what's your Bible say? All things hold together. Not only did he make everything, he's holding it all together. My understanding of what physicists say and astronomers and so forth about um, the atom is they're not quite sure why it's held together. They're not sure what power is holding it together because it should just fly apart, but it doesn't. Jesus Christ made the universe and he is holding it all together. I heard an atheist say that you know he was examining the evidence for uh, Darwinian evolution and he was, he was really troubled because the evidence seems to be wanting, very much wanting. He said, so the two possibilities of the origin of the universe kind of frighten him. He said the first possibility that he's embraced is that there's this incredible universe with this incredible balance and the earth is just the right distance from the sun and all these things are working just in this intricate precision and nobody's steering. He said that's pretty frightening. Can you imagine if, if the intricate uh, design of this universe is what it is, and we, we know from science it is, and nobody is steering the ship, it is a, here's what Darwinian evolution teaches, it is a product of accidental, mindless chance. It was an accident. Something exploded, we don't know where that came from. And there's all this order and design, but nobody's steering the ship, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to sleep as good at night if that's indeed the case. Now, this evolutionist went on to say, the other possibility is there is a creator God staring everything. He said, both possibilities frightened me because he didn't know the creator. See, this is the implication of what the Bible's saying. The Bible's saying that Jesus not only made everything, he holds it all together. Can you imagine when he was on the cross with this knowledge? He could have just said, they're not worth it. Let's start over. Well, I'll just make a new universe. I'll just make new planets. But he didn't do that because he so loved you and he so loved me. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the glue of the universe. The Greek word hold together is sunisteo. It means all things cohere in Christ. He, uphold, he upholds all things, Hebrews 1.3, by the word of his power. He is powerful. He is mighty. And he is something else, verse 18. He is also the head, verse 18, of the body, the church. He is our head. He is the beginning, that's the Greek word arche, The firstborn, here's that word again, and some believe that the firstborn from verse 15 ties into verse 18, the firstborn from the dead, so that he he himself might come to have 
First place in everything. See the word head there? It can mean the ruler or the source. Here I think it means both. He is the source of the church and the ruler of the church. He's the head of the body. Your body listens to your head, hopefully. (laughs) Right? Your body never really argues with your head. When your head says to your body, move, you walk, right? Your foot never says, I don't want to do it anymore. Sick of listening to you. Now, there are some things that our bodies may not be able to do because of maybe there's something not working correctly. Or there may be some things that we believe we can do in our head that physically we can no longer do. Can I get a witness? Right? I know I can jump off that. And then you land and you remember how bad your knees are. But you still listen to your head. Here's the deal. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the authority and the source of the church. And he's the firstborn from the dead. And here's what this means. He's the preeminent one, the ranking one of the the ones who have risen from the dead. And because he lives, the rest of creation is going to follow him. Here's what I mean. Believers are going to experience a resurrection And the physical universe is going to get a makeover. And Romans 8 says that the universe, given personality in this passage, is waiting, longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That means the physical universe knows when you get resurrected, it's going to get its makeover too. It's just waiting. Come on, Lord. Let's do it. I want some new leaves. I want to sparkle a little bit brighter in the sky. This is what's going on. And Jesus is the beginning. He is the beginning, the firstborn. Now, in Revelation 3.14, this is another text that the Jehovah's Witnesses like to focus on. And and let's go over there for a second. Revelation 3. We're winding down, but just a few more. Revelation 3, look at verse 14 with me. If you're having difficulty uh, locating the book of Revelation, it's the last book of your Bible. It says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, the amen, Revelation 3, 14, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. Now, our Jehovah's Witness friends look at this passage and they say, you see, it says that Jesus is the beginning, notice, three fourteen of the creation of God. If you've ever studied the book of Revelation, you'll, know, you'll note that many times it says he is the beginning and the end. The Greek words are the Alpha and the Omega, right? If we were to call God the Alpha, and he is called that, the beginning, we wouldn't believe that he had a beginning, would we? When we call God the Alpha and the Omega, what are we saying? He is the beginning and the end. So when we're calling him the Alpha, or in Hebrew, the Aleph, what we're saying is he's the beginner. Revelation 3.14 is not a passage that teaches that Jesus had a beginning. It is a passage teaching that he is the beginner. Just like Colossians 1, where it is arguing that actually Jesus is the creator. Important point, we'll do verse 19 and we'll close. Go back to Colossians 1. You cannot impose 21st century Western definitions on a book that was written 2,000 years ago. When people say, but firstborn always means firstborn. It means the first one born. No, not when you are studying a text that was written almost 2,000 years ago. 
You need to understand the word and the meaning in its context. Everybody with me? So there are certain words that to us mean something, but you have to study the word and the history to understand it. Now, this is not that difficult. You can do this with any Bible program. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. So there are certain words that to us mean something, but you have to study the word and the history to understand it. Now, this is not that difficult. You can do this with any Bible program. But you go back and you take a look at the original word. What does the word mean? What does firstborn mean? What does the beginning mean? It's R-K in Greek. It's A-R-C-H-E, if you're interested, beginning, R-K. And the word can mean source or beginner. It's where we get the word architect. What does an architect do? He designs everything or designs a building. So that's what the word is saying here about Jesus Christ. Now, in Colossians 1, we... We'll finish in verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure, Colossians 1.19, for all the fullness to dwell in him. Now the word for fullness there is pleroma, and it, it does mean fullness or completeness. Jesus, Jesus is not simply a sketch of God or a summary or a lifeless portrait of God. In him there is nothing left out. This is from Barclay. He is the full revelation of God and nothing more is necessary. Look at Colossians 2, look at verse 9. The very next chapter says this. In him, in Christ, how much? All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and keep reading, and in him you have been made complete. Jesus is not an emanation from God. He is not the first and greatest creation of God. He is not some superior, high-ranking angel. He is not a lesser God with a small g, a junior partner in creation. In him dwells the fullness of God in bodily form. There is nothing missing. He is fully God. 
and fully man. Now you let, you and I, we have to decide to let the Bible decide this debate, right? So when we look at passages like this, as much as it might hurt our head, but how can Jesus be fully God in a body? How does that work? I don't quite understand. Hey, I don't even know how my car starts in the morning. (laughs) But I believe it. (laughs) Here's the deal. If you could figure out everything about this God, can you figure out how he spoke things into existence? Can you break that down on a chalkboard? People often say, I don't understand the Trinity. I don't get it. Well, join the club. I don't understand how God spoke the universe into existence, but the Bible tells me he did, and here we are. And he's holding it all together. And it was the Father's good pleasure, look at verse 19, that all the fullness dwell in Jesus. All the fullness of deity in bodily form. And we'll, we'll look ahead just for a second as we close. And through him, 20, to reconcile all things to himself, Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. It's the blood-stained cross of the true Christ who gave his life for us. He is. If you've been wondering what life is all about, if you've been burdened by loneliness and doubt, there's an answer. He is. He is God's visible manifestation He is the source of all creation. He made every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's the author of my salvation. He is. He is God's revelation. He holds together every constellation. He purchased my redemption. He made me a new creation. He is. And because he is, it answers everything. Because he's alive, I'm alive. He is. So when you're going through moments of doubt and struggling with questions about who Jesus is, and maybe you know, you've come into this place and you, and you wonder as a person, why do Christians always talk about Jesus? Because he is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. He is the source of creation. He made me in you, and he came to save us. Glorious, isn't it? The one who was born in Bethlehem is God Almighty. And we are so grateful that he came to save us. Father, as we are winding down here, we just want to take a few moments to just bask in the beauty of this theology. It's, uh, it's high theology. It's high, scholars would say, high Christology, the study of Christ. But it is amazing It's amazing to understand that the one who died on the cross was the one who made everything. He made the tree that he died on. He made the people that nailed the the nails into his hands and his feet. He made everything. And thank you that you hold it all together, Lord. And one day, you you say, I'm gonna make new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. The Bible teaches that you're coming again. The second time you come, it'll have nothing to do with sin, but it'll have to do with redemption. It'll have to do with the redeeming of the planet, but it will have to do also with the judgment of sin. But you are not coming to die. You did that once for all, for all time. You're coming to save your people, to judge the unrighteous world, the rebellious world, and then to make new heavens and a new earth. You're gonna start again. And in Revelation, we see that there's gonna be even a Garden of Eden again, a 
uh, a restored Eden in some sense because there's going to be the tree of life again. It's going to bear fruit and the nations will find healing and they will come to the king and they will bask in the glory of this one who made everything and came to save us. With your heart and head bowed, if you've not met this Jesus Christ, if you've not known who he truly is, if you've not bowed your knee to his majesty, if you've not realized who it was that came to save you, today can be your day. He's here. He knows who you are. He knows your pain and your struggles. And if you would just simply open up your heart, he will save you. But you must make a decision. And it's something like this. And just don't let anything stop you from knowing this great God. Why would you live without knowing your creator and your redeemer? Lord Jesus, cry out to him. Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the creator and the redeemer. I believe you died on that cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. I put my full trust in you for my salvation. I repent of my sins and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you are here today and you need to rededicate your life. You've lost some of that majesty of the grandeur of Christ. You've let everyday life steal some of that away and maybe even a sinful decision that you've made His arms are open. Just come back to him. Just come home. Father, thank you for this precious church. I just want to pray a prayer over the saints as well that their faith has been encouraged this morning that they'll go out this week proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with a new fervor, a new uh, certainty, and just a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit. We love you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You've been listening to The Preeminence of Christ, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 1, 15 through 19. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the bottom line is that Jesus Christ is preeminent. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the name, he has the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, that is actually a quotation from the book of Isaiah, and those words are attributed to God or Yahweh, another evidence that Jesus is God. Uh, manifest to us in the incarnation. And this is the incredible truth of the Bible that God came down to, to show us who he is, to bear witness to the truth, to live a perfect life that we could never live, to die on that terrible cross, taking really his own wrath for us, and then rising to defeat our mortal em- enemy, death itself. This is the beauty of the gospel, Our God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, maybe you're listening right now and you don't know that for yourself. You've heard that before, perhaps, maybe not in those exact words, but you're not sure that you know this God. You see, he came down so that we might know him. 
He came down to reveal the Father, if you will. He came down to rescue us, to save us. He didn't come down to condemn the world, but to save it. Won't you trust in him today? You know, Christ wants to live inside of you the hope of glory. And uh, that's what we're going to be looking at in our next message, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, he wants to come and dwell inside of you. And you you might be asking, well, Pastor Michael, how does something like that happen? That so, sounds so deep and uh, mysterious. But here's the truth. God breathed life into our first parents, and he wants to breathe new life into you. It's just that simple. He wants to give you resurrection life, new life. He wants you to be born again. And if you would open your heart to him, it's something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for trying to do it my own way. I believe you came down on a rescue mission to save me. Pray it if it's you. If you're driving, just keep your eyes open. He'll hear you. I believe that you came on that rescue mission to save me. I believe that you died for me and shed your blood at the cross for my sins. I believe that you resurrected from the dead. Would you be my Lord, my God, my Savior, and my King? Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a prodigal and you've been away from the Lord, this would be a wonderful time to get back. Maybe you had some questions about who he is and whether or not he was truly God. I hope those questions have been answered, and I hope that you will Place your trust in him and walk with him. If we can help you in any way, remember the number is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Pastors are here Tuesday through Friday to pray with you, to talk with you, 844-48-TRUTH. Glad you're listening. God bless you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lentz's teaching in Colossians 1, 20 through 27, called Christ in You the hope of glory. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.